0: Greetings, fellow travelers. It is I, Ken, your fearless host of Avatar and the Sacred Text. I would like to welcome you here today for episode number six. Today we are looking at the episode Imprisoned through the theme of guilt. But first, I would like to mention two things the first is i have a voicemail did you know that i bet you didn't know that there is a link in the episode description of where you can leave me a message and i would love it love it love it if you left me a comment or a suggestion or just a general how do you do i would love to hear from you so leave me a message The second announcement is that I am looking for a co-host. Still, I think it would be great if this podcast would be more like a conversation between a couple people instead of me talking for 30 minutes. Uh, It doesn't pay anything, so that's all right, meaning you could have a raise anytime you want. And it's also remote, meaning you can work from home, you can work from Paris or from London, or from anywhere in the world. So as soon as they lift all the travel restrictions, you can travel to your heart's content and still be a part of this fabulous podcast. So if you like what you hear and want to be a part of it, let me know. Send me a message. And now, on with the show. On Avatar. So Team Avatar is making their way to the Northern Water Tribe. And the episode opens uh, with Sokka taking on a familiar role as tribe provider. Unfortunately, all he can find are nuts and rocks. Just as they are about to mow down, they hear a loud bang, and instead of being a sensible Sokka, they run toward the sound to check it out. They discover uh, the source of the sound is a teenage boy named Haru, who is practicing earthbending. Katara goes to introduce herself, but the boy runs away. Uh, The team follows him to a village that is occupied by the Fire Nation. They learn that the Fire Nation has outlawed earthbending and that all benders have been taken away. Katara and Haru have a brief conversation, kind of one bender to another, uh, when a nearby mine collapses. Katara convinces Haru to use earthbending to free an elderly man that is trapped. Unfortunately, this man betrays Haru to the Fire Nation and they take him away. This enrages Katara, who hatches a plan to get herself captured so she can go rescue Haru, uh, because she feels like it's her fault that uh, Haru got uh, discovered as an earthbender. So when uh, Katara arrives at the earth, or sorry, at the Fire Nation prison, which is uh, surrounded by water, she tries to get the rest of the prisoners uh, to hatch a plan. But the prisoner's spirits have been long broken by years of abuse at the warden's hands. Realizing that Katara won't leave without helping, Sokka comes up with a, another plan uh, to give the benders uh, in this waterbound prison a little bit of earth to play with. Uh, it's very similar to the plan that Katara uses to get herself captured as a, quote, earthbender. So they use fake earth bending to get Katara captured, and uh, Aang, with uh, a little bit of uh, air power, uh, fires some coal out onto the deck. Coal being earth. So uh, Katara again tries to inspire them uh, to fight back to no effect, but it's actually Haru who steps up and attacks the Warden. Just as the Warden is about to attack back, Haru's uh, father, who has been imprisoned there for years... Uh, Steps in And uh, this action inspires the rest of the prisoners to also fight Eventually the Fire Nation soldiers are thrown off the rig And the Earthbenders return home to liberate their village And Team Avatar continues their journey north So this isn't the first time we'll see uh, Haru and his father Uh, They along with several others will join the invasion on the Day of Black Sun Which takes place during Season 2 Um, This episode also gives us a bit of a deeper look into Katara's character. Uh, She is very compassionate and very passionate about helping others. Uh, Sokka even mentions that, quote, I hate when you get like this, meaning that when Katara has made up her mind about something, the only thing that he can do is follow along and provide backup and support where it's needed. Sokka is such a great brother. All right, so where can we find the theme of guilt in this episode? So the first um, thing I'm going to touch on is Katara. Um, She feels guilty, I think, for a number of reasons. Um, The first one is I think she feels guilty about not being able to help her own mother uh, when the Fire Nation attacked the Southern Water Tribe. And I think because of that, uh, she feels kind of this obligation to like, help people, okay? Um, During the conversation she has with Haru, she talks about the necklace that she wears, right? I think this is, you know, the indication that, you know, she still finds it hard to, like, not have a mother presence around, okay? And so she makes up for it in a lot of different ways. Okay, so the necklace was her mother's, and it was the only thing that she has left of her. Um, And I think Katara feels kind of uh, guilty for you know, she's a bender, and she wasn't able to help her mother, you know? Um, I think uh, Katara also feels guilty in this episode for encouraging Haru to use uh, his earthbending. Um, as I mentioned, there was a mine collapse, and there was an old man that was trapped, and because Katara has this, like, need to help people and to save people, right, she couldn't do it, so she encourages Haru to do it, right? And in the end, Haru uh, ends up getting uh, captured by the Fire Nation. It's through like her actions uh, that Haru is captured, and Katara needs to make it right. And so she comes up with this uh, crazy plan to get herself captured, to go to the prison, and and uh, to f- at first just rescue Haru, but in the end, to kind of liberate everybody who was there. All right. Uh I think Haru also feels a similar guilt to Katara. Um Haru is like a secret bender. Um and like Katara's necklace, um making it that connection between the necklace and Katara's mother. Earthbending gives him uh Haru a physical connection to his father. Um I think Haru is not only guilty about being an earthbender, but I think he's also a little ashamed as well. Um, since his father was captured, uh, it's been on him to look after his mother, like he's the, the quote, man of the house, right? And I think Haru uh, feels guilty because on one hand, he's trying to balance this connection with his father by earthbending while at the same time uh, providing for his mother, right? He doesn't want to be captured because he knows that if he's sent to prison, then she'll be alone, right? She'll essentially be a widow, Um, And widows in ancient societies like that generally don't fare very well. All right. Uh, I think it's hard enough for like an adult to kind of balance this, but keep in mind, he's like a teenager, right? So he's still growing up. Uh, You know, he's been forced into this really difficult situation uh, between, you know, doing what he thinks is right by honoring his father, but uh, at the same time uh, doing the practical thing by caring for his mother, right? And she even, her mother, Haru's mother even chastises him by reminding it, like, how dangerous it is for him to be earthbending. He's like, I know, I know. So, yeah. Uh, I think Haru's father also has a sense of guilt and uh, in this episode, but I don't think he feels guilty because he was sent to prison. Uh, I think he feels guilty um, because... like like for settling okay so uh haru haru's father uh along with all the other men and and benders in his village you know they they were fighting against an oppressive regime right that's something that they had to do right to protect their families and their culture um but you know after he got captured he just kind of settles you know he he's just like well this is my lot in life nothing else i can do right he he's given up the fight uh he even says uh partway through the episode that uh the best that he and everyone can do is sit tight and wait out this war um which i think you know like he's on one hand he's saying it because you know he feels like a like he's one of the, like the leaders in the the prison right so you know somebody comes up and is like You know, there's not enough blankets. And so he's like, well, I'll go talk to the guards because I I assume he has some sort of, like, standing with them. And then he gives a little bit of direction, like, you know, make sure that the elderly have blankets, right? So he does have, like, an obligation to the people who are there. But I think at the same time, if it were up to him, he would still be fighting, okay? And I think um, seeing Haru fight kind of reminded him of who he was fighting for. Um, I also think uh, seeing Haru probably reminded him of himself when he was Haru's age, right? Um, this war has been going on for 100 years, so I kind of, you know, I can kind of guess that when Haru's father was, you know, in his 20s was when he went off to war, okay? Um, now he's later on in life, 50s-ish, right? He's an older older man, You know, and so seeing Haru kind of, you know, coming into his own at the prime of his life uh, probably reminded him of, you know, what he was like when he was younger. Uh, The last one that I want to touch on briefly is Sokka. I I think it's kind of like a minor one. We don't see uh, tons of Sokka in this episode, uh, but, you know, at the beginning we see Sokka doing his best to feed his tribe. Okay, um, Ang and Katara and him and Momo—they are now his tribe, right? Uh, because he's his—the rest of his family is back in the South Pole, and now he's traveling around the world, right? So he has this like really strong like sense of like caring and protection, and he will do whatever it takes to like make sure that his tribe is healthy and successful. Okay um and i but i think he uh you know he comes up short quite often right uh instead of bringing back like good food he brings back nuts into rock you know like and momo won't even eat the nuts right um and momo is not very picky um but i think he buries all those feelings of shame and guilt for a couple reasons uh the first is i think he's still holding on to that notion that uh strong warriors don't cry or show emotion uh, which is, in the words of Hagrid, called swallop. It's a great word, codswallop, an actual word. Look it up. Um, but yeah, so he holds on to this like these very like old school like men don't cry, you know, men will like provide and and do right. He's a doer, okay. Um, So he kind of buries those things. But I think the other reason that he buries that guilt uh, is because he is, like, super protective of Katara, right? He is willing to go along with whatever crazy plan she comes up with, and he will do whatever it takes to support and protect her, right? So, you know, even if it means, like, sacrificing his own health and well-being, he will, like, um, do whatever it takes, so it's it's really interesting like he doesn't run towards the big booms, right? He actually wants to run run away, but he he uh so he doesn't run towards that danger, but he runs after Katara, right? So he's, you know, he is always going to be running after Katara uh and providing that support uh for her to go and and do her thing. So in that in that sense they're like kind of like a super team, right? So Okay, so now we come to the part of the episode uh, where uh, we are going to do our spiritual practice. Uh, we're going to continue with uh, Pardes this week. We'll see what happens next week. Maybe I'll find something new. Maybe we'll keep this or or go back to Lexio Divina. But uh, for today, we're going to do Pardes. So just uh, another quick reminder. So it's a four-step process. Uh, there's the shot, which is just the plain and meaning of the, uh, simple meaning of the text. Text. What's happening uh, in this in this particular clip? Um, the next is the remez or the hint. So this is kind of another meaning that is alluded to. It's kind of like an implied meaning. Uh, it kind of usually re- reveals kind of like a deeper uh, meaning to the text or the, the story as a whole. Uh, The third step is the drosh or concept. So this is like a teaching. Uh, It can be uh, considered a bit of a sermon. So if you had to like preach this to somebody, what would you say? Okay. Uh, And the last one is the Sud. Uh, meaning hidden so this is like looking for uh, a secret or mystic meaning of the text sometimes it comes sometimes it doesn't Um, but yeah you basically you read this text or in this case listen to it and then you wait a couple minutes or a minute or so uh, and see if anything is revealed to you okay so I'm going to uh, play you a clip now it's uh, Katara and Haru's conversation they have together and uh, yeah There we go. I'm sorry about what I said earlier. I didn't know about your father. That's okay. It's funny, the way you were talking back in the store, it reminded me of him. Thanks. My father was very courageous. When the Fire Nation invaded, he and the other earthbenders were outnumbered 10 to one, but they fought back anyway. He sounds like a great man. After the attack, they rounded up my father and every other earthbender and took them away. We haven't seen them since. So that's why you hide your earthbending? Yeah. The problem is, the only way I can feel close to my father now is when I practice my bending. He taught me everything I know. See this necklace? My mother gave it to me. It's beautiful. I lost my mother in a Fire Nation raid. This necklace is all I have left of her. It's not enough, is it? No. All right, there we go. So I'm just gonna walk through the uh, the four uh, the four steps here. So the first one, the Bashat. Um, what's happening in this text, or little clip, uh, Katara and Haru are, uh, taking a walk together, uh, they're having kind of a conversation, one bender to another, um, Katara doesn't get a lot of opportunity to talk to other benders other than Aang, um, so I think she kind of takes that... Uh, whenever she can get it, okay? And uh, this clip takes place right after Katara learns uh, that earthbending has been outlawed and that Haru's father had been taken by the Fire Nation, right? So the Remez, the kind of the other implied meaning, Uh, I think the the other implied meaning here is that uh, war touches everyone, young and old alike. Um, That's one of the things I love about this show, is it shows kind of like the real consequences of war, and uh, what happens when the people who have the power to stop things don't. Uh, Either because they are afraid, like Aang, you know, when he learns that he's the Avatar, and that he must fight the Fire Lord, he runs away. Um, Or because they feel like they owe the people in power something. Uh we learn later on in the series that uh Roku uh and the Fire Lord Fire Lord Sozin are like were best friends growing up, right? And so he I think Roku kind of felt like, you know, he couldn't turn against uh his best friend. All right? So yeah. So sometimes the people who have the power to change things don't for a variety of reasons. And I think this show uh, does a good job of showing kind of the consequences of that. So the drush, uh, you know, the, the little teaching or sermon, if I had to preach a sermon about this, um, I would say, like, if you have the power to make a change in the world, do it. Uh, The change doesn't have to be huge. It can mean uh, like running after your family members like Sokka, uh, supporting them uh, kind of no matter what, or it could mean standing up against injustice um, like uh, Katara does. Uh, To kind of quote the really lame cliche, it's not lame, but it's still cliche, be the change you want to see. All right, so that would be my, uh, my encouragement. And the, uh, the Sud, uh, the thing that uh, came to mind uh, when I was listening to this clip, uh, were two things. Uh, it was um, Katara's Necklace and Sonnet 60 by Shakespeare. Um, so I'm just going to read you the sonnet and then I'll uh, kind of touch on what I mean by that. So Sonnet, sonnet 60 by William Shakespeare. Like as waves make towards the pebbled shore, so do our minutes hasten to their end. Each changing place with that which goes before, in secret toil all forwards do contend. Nativity, once in the main of light, crawls to maturity, wherewith, being crowned, crooked ellipses gainst his glory fight. And time that gave doth his gift confound, Time doth transfix the flourish set on youth And delves the parallels in beauty's brow Feeds on the rarities of nature's truth And nothing stands but for his scythe to mow And yet to times in hope my verse shall stand Praising thy worth despite his cruel hand So this sonnet is all about time and, like, living forever Okay, so the very first, like, as waves make towards the pebbled shore, uh, the whole meter of this verse kind of uh, makes me think of, like, waves, like crashing, like... Whoosh, whoosh, like that sound. Uh, it's no coincidence, I think, that Katara's necklace uh, shows waves cresting on a shore. Um, I think this... Um, necklace for Katara is like a totem right it has spiritual significance for her Uh, and kind of like in the sonnet um, time scythe cuts you short, youth short, right? It delves, you know, the wrinkles into uh, a beauty's brow. It, you know, it feeds on like the rarities of nature's truth. So that's like its natural resources, right? And nothing stands uh, against time's scythe, right? Everything dies. Uh, but I think for Katara, this having this necklace, um, it helps her mother live on right and i think uh we have lots of examples of this kind of thing uh all throughout uh history and you know is the scene in this episode i also think this is why it is so significant that uh katara like realizes that she loses her necklace at the end of the episode right uh she needs that like physical connection uh with her mother in order to feel like a whole person Right. So, um, yeah, so she realizes this and then, you know, we see Zuko like pick it up. So, um, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. So that's the, uh, you know, that's the, uh, the thing that kind of came to mind. So now we're, I'm just going to do, uh, I'm going to borrow something again from uh, Av- or Harry Potter in the Sacred Text. Um, each week on that podcast, they, uh, they bless a certain character uh, in, uh, in, the, in their chapter. And uh, I'm going to bless a character in this chapter. Uh, I would like to offer a blessing to Haru. So as I mentioned before, Haru is kind of balancing two separate worlds, right? The world of of Bending and his father, but also kind of the world of, you know, that physical provider being like the protector of his mother, right? So my blessing is for Haru and for anybody who has to kind of balance kind of two equally like hard roles. So if that's you, Uh, for my blessing and encouragement to you, and uh, I hope you can be strong and have a good uh, kind of good support system to help you do that. All right, so that's it for this week's episode of Avatar and the Sacred Text. Thank you for joining me, and uh, I hope you join me next week when we look at the Winter Solstice Part 1 through the theme of uncertainty. As always, leave me a comment or a voicemail. I would love to hear from you, and I will talk to you soon. That's all for now. Bye-bye.